2023, we've been on faith. Over and over again, we're talking on faith and what faith is. And the definition and the way we're describing it is faith is complete trust in someone or something. Complete trust in someone or something. And you and I have to work on putting that trust and keeping that trust in God. You know, last week we talked about looking at things through the eyes of faith. Many times we get stuck on what's right in front of us. And because we see only what's right in front of us, we don't understand that in faith we can see through the obstacle. We spoke about Caleb and we spoke about Joshua. When they came back with the 12 spies, they were two of the 12 spies. And everybody started saying, the land is great, but the giants are big. The land is, is ready to devour and hurt. And Caleb said, there's giants, but God has given us that victory. He saw through the eyes of faith the promise that God had given. And you and I need to work at looking at what God sees. And today, I want to talk a little bit about what we listen to, what we hear, and I want to talk about listening through the ears of faith. And I ask you this question, who or what are we actively listening to? Who or what are we actively listening to? I heard this story of these two young men. One young man was a city boy, and one young man grew up living out in the wilderness and in the camps and in the fields. And they befriended each other somehow. And the city boy told the other young man, hey, why don't you come? I want you to experience my city. Come on over. And this young man went with him. And when they got into the city, this young man who had been raised out in the field and had been out there, he, he heard a sound and, and, and he looked at the city boy and he said, do you hear that? He says, I don't hear anything. He says, listen, listen. And he started following and he went all this way to this windowsill and he found the cricket who was like trapped in the windowsill and he pulled it out and he let it over and put it on a bush. And he said, I could hear him calling out to me saying I'm trapped. He says, I couldn't hear the cricket. Then they keep walking. He says, do you hear that? Do you hear the birds chirping? Do you hear this? And this, this young man, the city boy, says, I don't hear any of that. I just hear the honking. I hear the noise. I hear the yelling. I hear the shouting. How do you hear that? And he says, let me show you. And he pulls out of his pocket a handful of coins, and he throws them up into the air, and they land on the sidewalk, and everybody turned and looked. And he says, what you pay attention to is what you hear. And can I tell you, like that young boy, that city boy, many of us are hearing and solely paying attention to the noises of the cars and the screaming and the shouting and the problems, and we're missing out on the still small voice of God calling out to us. So I ask you again, who or what are we actively listening to? What are we listening for? Are we trying to hear God speak to us? Are we paying attention? Because you and I, we need to listen for and hear what God says. We talked last week about the importance of seeing what God sees, but we need to listen for what God says. And if you didn't know this, God is always speaking. The thing is, we're not listening. I, I was, parents, parents, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to get this, watch it out. You're there, and you're like, Christian, I need you to move this for me. 
blah, blah, blah. What? Did you call me? Yes. You didn't hear what I said? I said your name and I asked. Give you the... Three minutes later, they're doing the same thing they were doing before. You're having a conversation almost at a whisper 25 feet away and they turn around and are in your conversation. Has that happened to anybody here before? It's like I, I had this conversation with one of my girls yesterday. I pulled them over. I was like, I called you by name actively and like this. And you, you were like oblivious. How then did you hear the conversation I'm having with your mom over the TV? <laughs> See, what are we actively listening for? See, some of us, God's calling our name. He's saying, hey, David, this is what I want you to do. But we're watching the TV. We're doing this. We're doing that. And we're listening for the voices that were whispers that weren't from God, and we run to that one. Who and what are we listening to? Who and what are we listening to? I want you to go with me to the book of Acts this morning. Go to Acts. If you've got your Bible, show me your Bible. I love seeing Bibles. Come on, I love them. If you don't have a physical Bible, I encourage you, get a physical Bible. You may say that'll never happen, but let me tell you, I firmly believe we could face a time where they outlaw having that on your phones. And the word of God being labeled hate speech. We're on trend to that. So you better get a physical Bible. My opinion there. All right. Acts chapter 9. This is the story of Saul. And if you don't know the story of Saul, he's going around persecuting Christians. And he's doing all of these things. And he has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And on the road to Damascus, he's blinded. And then God, in verse number 10 of chapter 9, it says, There was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, Watch this. Look what he says. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias. Come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests. To bind all who call your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. If you're taking notes, write this down this morning. What God says may be contrary to what we see in the natural. What God says may be contrary to our natural reality. That's exactly what took place there. God is having a conversation with Ananias in this vision. And he tells him, go and find this man, 
And what did Ananias said? Are you sure? Watch. God is speaking to him, and he hears God, but he declares this. I've heard from other people what this man has done and the authority he has here. Who are we listening to? Who are we paying attention to? What voice are we going to follow? God lovingly looks at him and says, no, 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 go, for I have chosen him. Hmm. Watch this now. What thing, what person, what situation has God spoken to us to go, but because someone else or something else has spoken of who they were, we decide not to? God spoke and we listen to the voice of people or we listen to the voice of a circumstance or a situation or a trial. Church, who or what are we listening to? God will speak contrary. Why? Because God calls the things that are not as though they were. Throughout all of scripture, we see it. I mean, think back in Genesis. God tells Abraham to go to the place he was going to show him. God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you descendants, and Abraham doesn't see it. As a matter of fact, what's the reality? They are barren. They have no children, and God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, the father of many. He changes his name. He calls him by the reality in the spiritual realm that would then become a reality in the natural. Church, what we see in the spiritual is more real than the natural. The natural is only manifestations of the war that's happening in the spiritual realm. Many people, they don't want to deal with that. I don't know, they're afraid of it. They don't believe it. They've never experienced it. But let me tell you, the spiritual realm is more real. And many of the circumstances and the situations we're facing and fighting is because of a spiritual battle that was taking place. And if you decide to fight a physical or a spiritual battle in the physical, you will lose. Which is why Jesus, through the scripture, tells us that it's not the person, but what's behind them, right? I love the story of Peter. Y'all like Peter? Peter's a cool guy. Peter, in one chapter, okay, one chapter, a few verses, went from, Jesus asked him, who do they say that I am? He answers. Then he says, no, no, but who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, oh, man has not revealed this to you. You've heard this from heaven. This is probably, this is a whole other little thing on hearing from God. He says, man has not revealed this to you. This is the Lord. Holy Spirit, God has given this to you. And upon this reality, upon this truth, I will build my church. Three verses later, or something like that, Jesus tells them, I'm going to Jerusalem because I need to die. And Peter says, no, Jesus, you don't need to do that. And Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. Peter went from, man has not revealed this to you, but the Spirit himself has given it to you. Get behind me, Satan. In a flash of a second. Was Peter Satan? Obviously not. Did he get possessed? No. But in the spiritual realm, he was attacked and he spoke that way. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus later on tells Peter, Satan himself has asked me to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed against it. Which is when then he tells him, you're going to deny me, but three times. You're going to deny me before the rooster crows, but I got you. There is a spiritual fight. There's a spiritual fight to destroy your family, to destroy your children, to destroy your grandchildren. Don't allow it. See what's happening in the spiritual and fight it in the spiritual. And we do that through faith, changing what it is that we're seeing, declaring that what we see is what God sees. And in this same reality, what we hear God say, we then through faith believe it. Faith allows us to believe what we have heard God say. And not only does faith allow us to believe what we hear God say, but then faith allows us to act upon that that God said. We believe it, and then we act on it. Because here's the truth. If you believe it, but you don't act on it, what you have is a dead faith. I wrote the thought down this way. Acting on what we hear God say is active faith. Acting on what we hear God say is active faith. See, in the world, we've encountered a whole lot of people that let us down. I mean, I don't know about you, but I live in Miami. And I've encountered a heck of a whole lot of people that let me down. People that say, I'm going to be there at this time and don't show up on that time, or if they show up at all. People that say, I'm going to bring this and don't bring it. People that say, I'm going to do, you encountered that? And then we, we have all these people that have let us down, and we come to a relationship with God, and we think, well, God's going to let me down because people have let me down. And so we say we believe it, right? You're, you're like, yeah, 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 I'm going to be there. And you're like, sure. You, you're going to be there. I said 10 o'clock, you're going to show up at 4, right? You know, <laughs> if you show up at all. And so then we, we come to God and it's like, well, I believe it. Well, do you really believe it? Do you believe it so much that you act on it? Or do you only believe it in thought, in mind? See, Ananias, he's here. What God says is contrary to the natural reality. And he tells God such. But when God says, I've got a plan, I've got a calling, and Ananias said, okay, I'm going to go. Again, he calls contrary to the natural reality. Talk to you about Abraham. What about Jonah? I'm sorry, Gideon. Gideon was such a scaredy cat that he says to God, I'm of the weakest tribe in all of Israel, and of all the weakest ones, I'm the weakest. That's what he thought about himself. I'm a nobody. But what did God call Gideon in his first interaction with him? You mighty man of valor. See, God calls us in how he designed us to be. And I don't care what you think you are in the world system, what you feel that this is how it is. God created you in his image and in his likeness, and I am going to believe and act in faith that what God spoke is real. See, many times we will say things like, well, I know that's what God says, but I see it differently. Papo, 
you got a problem. If you and I try to put what we think, if we try to fit ourselves into the narrative of God instead of getting God's word and making it fill into us, we've got it the wrong way. And so God is speaking. Are we listening? Are we doing the things to be able to hear? I, I learned a lot of stuff during COVID. How many of you learned stuff during COVID? I learned that I don't just hear with my ears. During COVID, you'd go to a grocery store and somebody was wearing a mask, sometimes two, and there was a plastic shield and you were four feet, six feet away from the person and you'd go there and they're like, you know, you're trying to buy your groceries or whatever and they speak to you and you said, what? I, I, I can't just, you know, the voice trying to go through the mask and through the thing. And since I couldn't see the lips move, I couldn't kind of catch what was auditory somewhat and muffled with the reality of the lips moving because the senses work together. And, and, and so this is the reality. I'd have to position myself and I'd say, can you say that again? But not just can you say that again, I would physically turn to put myself to hear. Sin muffles. Society and all the cares of this world muffle and distance. So God speaking, if you really want to hear him, we need to position ourselves in such a way to hear it. Come on, God, say it again. I I'm all in to hear it this time. Rebroadcast it. I'm paying attention. I am tuning in. I am cutting out the distractions. Listen, I want you to know something. I'm going to watch the heat game later. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, if I had said, I'm going to put somebody else to preach today so can I, I, I can eat some chicken wings before the game on the thing and I'm going to skip it because I'm the thing, I'm going to prioritize that. That's a problem. Watch now. Going to a dolphin game ain't a problem. Going to the movies, the theater, the this, like the, the doing things isn't the, the problem. The situation comes when it muffles out the voice of God because you prioritize that over God. Watch, you know, working isn't a problem. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you don't work, don't eat. Something along those lines. It actually says that laziness destroys you. But sometimes... We put work over God, and we say, if I just work a little harder, I will attain it. And God says, no, if you backtrack, spend some time with me, I will give you the ability to do it easier and quicker and be able to even be more prosperous. Changing the positioning. Our language. Do you know the Bible says no vile thing should be coming out of your mouth? What are we speaking? How are we doing the things? And, and then we want to hear from God. But we're allowing sin to distance us from God. Now, I've given this example a lot. I know you guys have heard it. Just bear with me because maybe somebody hasn't. In this very second, there are thousands upon thousands of radio waves coming across this room. 90.9. Used to be called Life of Fan. I'm not sure what the new name is now. 88.3, right? The other Christian station. 
Power 96. Magic 102.7. Oh, geez. 560, WQAM, or 790 to take, whatever. All these stations, they are broadcasting through here. Do you hear it? I don't. You know why I don't hear it? Problem number one, I don't got a tuner. And if I brought a tuner in and plugged it into the system, I would not hear it until I tuned the dial to the frequency. Watch now. You receive the tuner when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And as you allow God to remove the sinful things from your life, you tune the frequency to hear his voice. What are we doing and who are we listening to? What is God telling us to do that we're not doing? See, Jonah, how about Jonah? Jonah could hear God. He was a prophet. As a matter of fact, God told Jonah, hey, get up, Apple, go to Nineveh and preach. Jonah chose Nineveh was that way. I'm going the other way. It's very interesting why Jonah chose that, by the way. You see Jonah's heart later on. He chose to go the opposite way because he knew God would forgive the people if they repented, and he didn't want them to receive forgiveness. So Jonah, he hears from God that says, go to the people of Nineveh and speak to them. God told Ananias, go to the street called Straight, and you're going to find this guy in the house of, uh, of Judas. His name is Saul of Tarsus, and talk to him, right? Jo Jonah said, I'm buying a one-way ticket to Tarshish. No round trip, one way. And as he's going to Tarshish, God's love for and mercy for the people of Nineveh was still there, so he chased Jonah. And there was a storm. The people all started, like Jonah, by the way, was asleep on the boat. Like the problem wasn't with him, right? They're not going to, you know, everybody's freaking out. We're going to die there. And Jonah says, they, they go to draw lots of sticks, and he gets the short end of the stick. And, and, and it's literally what they did. It's where the saying comes from. And they're like, it's you. What did you do? He says, I'm a prophet. God told me to do this, and I ignored him. This is the way you do it. Toss me in the water, and the storm will go away. So what did the people do? No. No, 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 no. Toss the cargo. Toss the thing. Toss the nets. Toss the stuff. And they couldn't row harder. And finally, they're like, all right, we tried it all. Guess we're doing it that way. And they get Jonah and they chuck him in the water. And an Uber comes by and picks him up. <laughs> the big giant fish goes, I'm here, you know, swallows up Jonah and starts swimming over to Tarshish. I'm sorry, over to Nineveh. Jonah repents. The whale, it was not a whale, sorry, giant fish. The giant fish gets on over and drops him off and says, did I get a five-star review? No, just kidding. All right. <laughs> drops him off. And when he drops him off, God reminds him again what he's supposed to do. And at that point, he goes and he speaks, repent. Now, you can imagine what Jonah looked like after three days inside of a giant fish. 
He's walking the streets of Nineveh saying, repent, repent, repent. The people of Nineveh, the king, calls a fast. They tell everybody to repent. Everything else is happening. And Jonah looks at God and says, you see, I knew you would forgive them. And Ananias didn't do what Jonah did. He had his doubt because of the things he had heard. But when God said go, he went. And did you catch what happened when he walked in, when he activated and did what God said to do? He walked in, he laid hands on him, and watch, the spiritual blindness became a physical manifestation of scales that fell off his eyes. Can I tell you, the spiritual become a reality in your life. What God is speaking over you and your children will become a reality when you activate your faith with action. Many times, you and I, we don't ask God what he wants us to do. We ask people. Or, worse than just asking people, we just try to mimic what somebody else did to get there. Or we ask God, and he does it, and we have victory, but the next time, we just try to replicate it instead of asking him again. Watch, David, King David, one of my favorite characters in scripture. Not just because we got the same name. <laughs> he could worship. He was king. He was brave. He was a fighter. And he was good looking. He had it all. But one of the best things he had was his humility to repent. But aside from that was the fact that he would always go to God. And we see when the Philistines come up against David... David goes and he asks God, God, what do you want me to do? Do I go fight them? Do we have the victory? And God says, go. I've given you the victory and here's the game plan. David gets all of his army together and they go in and they do what God said and they have the victory. And they defeat them. And a little while later, like two verses later, I don't know what the time frame was, but two verses later, the Philistines came up again. Now, David could have done what you and I do sometimes. Well, this is what I did last time because God said to do it, so let me just do it again. No, no, no. David went back and inquired of the Lord again. God, do I go fight the Philistines? And God says, yes, I have given you the victory. But this time, go around the back and flank them. You know, there's actually another instance where, God, where David asked God, do I go? And God said, they're going to betray you. Don't go. Will you and I ask God before we make the decisions, before we take the step, before we do what we need to, and when we hear God, will we obey him so that what we are believing for becomes a reality? God calls the things that are not as though they are. So I ask you this question. Are you seeing in the eyes of faith? Are you listening through the ears of faith? Because not until we change it and we begin to hear what God says and obey his voice, begin to see what God sees and look at it that way, are we going to have the manifestation of what we are believing for. The world tries to copy. Listen, the world tries to copy everything. 
The Bible tells us God is our defender, our protector, and our vindicator. What does the world do? Well, if you buy that little seeing eye thing and put it on your wrist, it wards off the evil stuff. Metele la sabache. La sabache is the little black one that Hispanics use, the little black pearl, or what? I don't even know what it is. Whatever, bro. The little black thing. You see, if you see little Hispanic babies, they, they sometimes they got a little thing with their name on it and a little black, uh, a little black uh, uh, stone. That's supposed to be protecting them. No, 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 no. Lord, I give you my son. I give you my daughter. You are their protector. The world tells us you need to manifest it. You need to fake it until you make it. No, 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 no. I need to know what God said, believe it, and see it before it happens. See, when you take God out of the things, it's just self-help manipulation of the enemy. When God has spoken it, but we only know it if we get into the word, if we spend time with him, if we actively, intentionally hear and say, God, what do you want me to do? Acting on what we hear, God say, that's active faith. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, worship team, if you start coming to the altar. Matthew chapter 7 is the ending of one of the greatest sermons Jesus preaches, right? The Sermon on the Mount. It spans multiple chapters when you read it. And at the end of it, Jesus says this. Those who hear these sayings of mine and do them, I will liken them to a wise man. Those who hear these sayings of mine and do not do them, I will liken them to a foolish man. Is it okay if I'm honest? I've had moments in my life where I haven't done what God said for me to do. And Jesus would have to say, David, you were a fool. But in his mercy and in his grace, he chases me down and says, this is what I want you to do. And when I repent and get right and start doing what he says, he'll look and say, now that's wisdom. What is it that you and I are ignoring that God has asked us to do? What is it that you and I are not doing that God said do? What is it that you and I are doing that God said don't do? Because it works both ways. Sometimes we just think, I just got to put it louder to be able to hear it. I gave an example earlier today, you know, when you deal with audio, sometimes somebody says, well, I can't hear, I, 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 I can't hear Lisette, so just crank up Lisette's volume on the mic. And in reality, it's not cranking up her mic, it's that we need to lower the other ones. And so this is what we do many times, I'll just add this, and I'll do a little bit of this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and it's just blaring, you can't make out a sound. And God says, no, 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 tone it down. Get it simple and do what I said to do. What is God asking you to do today? That as you act, your faith becomes alive. Are you fighting it the same way you fought it last time? I've, I've told you my, our story. My wife and I, we're, we believe firmly in activating faith by doing or doing stuff 
as if we had already what we're believing for. So what I mean by that, before we bought our home, when we called the realtor and said, put the offer, before the offer had even been set up, we went to Lowe's and started buying light fixtures and stuff for the house. When we were believing for our daughter, we had been told by doctors we couldn't have kids. And we were believing for our daughter. We went out and we activated our faith. We started buying stuff. We bought an outfit. We bought a baby book. We bought comforters. We bought diaper bag. We, we started buying everything. Can I tell you, God gave us our daughter. And when we were saying, we want another child, God, we didn't go buy more stuff. I, I, let me rephrase it. I went and bought one thing, a pregnancy test. God already healed me. I'm just going to buy the pregnancy test so we can check. Are we fighting today's battle the way we bought? It's why we're not winning. Can we pause and say, God, what's the strategy? God, who have you called in my life that I need to go lay hands on? To the scales to come off. God, what have you asked me to do? We see different people raised from the dead in scripture. None of them the same ways. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't go in the tomb. He just spoke and said, Lazarus, come out. The dead man that was being carried, the only son of a woman, Jesus came by and touched the casket and said, get up. To the woman, the little girl, he looked and he said, Talita Kumi, get up and go eat. Elijah went and laid down on the bed of the kid that was dead. And another time, he went and laid on the kid himself. It's not the same way. So this morning, as we stand to our feet and we begin to worship, this is my challenge to you. Begin to ask God, what do I need to do, God? What are you asking me to do? If he, if he already told you and you didn't do it, you need to repent before him. God, I repent for not obeying. I'm going to position myself to hear you, and then I'm going to obey. So as you're worshiping right now, ask God to speak to you, to show you. It may be a still, small voice. It may be a loud thunder. God speaks to us differently. But position ourselves to listen to his voice and ask him, what do you want me to do?